welcome listeners to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley. And uh, I failed phys ed and English all the way through high school. Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the, uh, the dark horse here. And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. All right, there it is. Well, welcome everybody. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am a former competitive bodybuilder. I'm an exercise physiologist and I'm a nutrition professor. This is Rob Fortney, former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder and current strength trainer, soon to be competitor again. Sweet. That's so cool. And uh geez, I feel like uh I feel like the other intro was better, but uh, Charles Stanley, author of Muscle Logic, competitive masters weightlifter, welcome aboard. Hey, this is Phil Stevens, strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and uh, all-around nice guy. Cool. Oh, got so quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all pausing. Who's who's heading up the the topic today? <laughs> Have we decided? <laughs> no, Rob, I don't know. Got it. Rob, why don't you do it? Because I think it was your idea, right? Well, actually, it's John Michael's idea. Um. Our, our uh, guest co-host from last week, my guest co-host from last week, he uh, suggested this topic, and I thought it was kind of a good one. So um, we've probably all thought of this at the same, you know, at some various times. That um, it, it seems that males, by by virtue of just them their being male, um, believe that they know how to lift weights. I mean, you see this in gyms all over the place. That guys just think just because they're guys that they know how to lift weights. And I just want to kind of rag on that a little bit. You know, I think I think this is kind of a cool topic because uh, I, I think you're right, and I think that um, it's it's one of those obvious things that, that kind of escapes us. And uh, all of us have seen some crazy stuff uh, done in gyms by guys who are absolutely confident that they know what they're doing. And yeah. uh, all of us in the past have felt that we were, you know, totally on top of what we were doing, only to learn later that. There's still some more learning to do, so I guess we shouldn't forget that this is, uh, you know, this is an educational pursuit just like anything else. And uh, any, you know, a- anyone can walk into a gym and lift weights, but there's uh, gradient levels of expertise, and uh, I think that's what we're all here for. You know, that gradient level of expertise, I think that's key. When you were just saying how, you know, we're all so guilty, it's true we are, and especially if you go back farther, but... I, I, I get pictures of Charles just being a few degrees off on his snatch or something and, and feeling, you know, being modest and saying, oh, I, I need to learn more about this. But I think there's also, you know, the super beginner level, these guys with the false confidence, and they're just doing redonkulous stuff in the gym, and they're looking around like they're all bad, you know. Well, you could even take somebody as experienced as Phil, and last week I caught him doing some tricep kickbacks on a Swiss ball, and I'm just saying so. <laughs> Of all people, like, you should be doing those on a bench. I mean, if Yeah, but he's trying to dial it in his triceps right now. You're on an unstable surface like a Swiss ball. How are you going to load up a tricep uh, kickback to the point where you're going to get any appreciable hypertrophy? So, uh, yeah. you know, we all we all are guilty of these mistakes. <laughs> well, that's where my advanced methods like Chilean plyometrics come in, which is, uh Charles yeah. is the only one that's been able to see this, but it's the new up-and-coming thing. But anyway. Okay. This was pioneered in Wichita Falls, Texas last week um, without any significant injuries. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's anecdotal. It's a new technology. It saved at least 16 people's lives in the earthquake in Chile. Uh, and it's also great for building, you know, huge triceps and abs. <laughs> I had a client several weeks ago, um, a middle-aged woman, my favorite kind of client, and uh, she said that her husband was ragingly pissed off that she was actually spending the money to have somebody train her because, in his words, what do you need to know to go to the gym and lift some weights? I guess wow. enough not to hurt yourself would be my first thought. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I found that extremely offensive, but... Yeah. That's, uh, well, I, I think as educators, we all need to listen to that carefully. <laughs> I'm sure he's not the only person who holds that view. Um, yeah. And uh, I think a lot of personal trainers that I see in the field are not doing much to dispel that notion. So, uh, again, it's just gradient levels of expertise. And I think a lot of fields are in, of endeavor are this way, right? I mean, there are a lot of endeavors that can be done on a low level of competence all the way up to something that approaches, you know, art. So mm -hmm. uh, I think strength, strength training is uh, a very similar kind of pursuit. What about particular movements? What do you guys think? Like, what are some, uh, what are some, I, I mean, because, you know, bench and squat jump into my mind, you know, kind of visions. I think we can all have visions of guys doing benching or squatting really badly, but what kind of stuff have, have you seen that people are just, you know, they're they're full of this false confidence and they're just, you know, sort of making a fool of themselves a little bit? Well, I think what? number one, I would say, would be squats, without question. I mean, it, it, it's got to be the most, you know, abused movements in the whole register. I mean, I, I see more guys, I mean, first of all, you don't see a lot of guys squatting at all, but of the guys that you do see squatting, I'd say like 90% of those guys just, just make it look like ass. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, you know what, too? I think beginners, with, with, when you talk about squats in particular, it's amazing to me. It's sort of shocking. I don't want to go off on a tangent about how out of shape normal people are, you know, the average person, but it's amazing to me how few people, like when you just pull an inactive sedentary person into the gym, they can't just squat down with a broomstick or even their hands on their waist. They don't have the Achilles flexibility or they lack range of motion. They can't even just squat down on their own haunches. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's scary. You know, I mean, these are people to forget about, you know, performing at a high level or defending your family or running from a crook or a bad guy or something. You can't even squat down, you know. And that's got to play a role in some of this, too. Uh as far as guys, you know, at the topic of the day, men thinking they just automatically are born with the right to know how to train, I'd say, personally, the number one abused exercise is the bench. Just because everybody does it and they think they're a master of it, and in reality, I mean, if I were to say, I mean, maybe one out of 50 people that are doing it that think they know what they're doing actually know what they're doing. Maybe. Is there, a, is there I mean, I know the guy up in here in Canada, I don't know if it's the same way down there, but is there a new phenomenon that's going around because it's certainly up here that guys only like it used to be just squatting guys would only squat down halfway or something but it seems like everybody in the last year or two up here is only benching like they're not even remotely bringing the bar to their chest it's only like halfway down really? are you guys see that a lot down there that's uh what is the certification agency that promotes that um not nsca um come on guys what is it uh uh, NASM promotes that. NASM. Yeah, and uh, what's the idea? I mean, well, well, the concept is 
is that uh, people do not have sufficient uh, humoral range of motion to, uh, to to bring the bar down to your, uh, you know, to touching yourself. And and it's just one of those things that has a kernel of truth. There, uh, there are no doubt some people who do not have the physical prerequisites to bench a bar down to their chest, but then NASM, uh, you know, just broad brushes this to the entire population. And that almost sounds to me like the old stuff about, you know, don't fully squat, you know, uh, people or they make comments about that. I mean, I've squatted, and I know I, I'm just an N of one, but I've always squatted well below parallel. I mean, uh, the knee is made to move through a, a range of motion, and... uh Honestly, I think I probably put more strain on my body in a bad way by doing half squats than I ever did full squats. I wonder oh, if this, it's, I wonder if this is the same kind of thing. You know, it's just like you said, it's being painted with too broad of a brush. Yeah. Well, the thing with the squat depth whole thing is I've I've maintained for years and years that it has nothing to do with the depth that's dangerous for your back and your knees. It's it's the it's the, the mechanics that people use and the and, you know the speed of which people descend into the hole. I mean, when their knees are flying in and they're bouncing in the hole and stuff, that's the stuff that wrecks your back and your knees. It's not going really low. I mean, I'm like you, obviously. You know, Lonnie, that, you know, I, too, have squatted for, like, you know, 25 years, you know, ass to ankle. And, I mean, I've never, I mean, you know, I have a knee playing once in a while, but it's not because of that. It's just because of how hard I'm training. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I have such a small frame. I mean, you're sort of this, you know, heavily uh, skeletoned dude. I, I have really little joints, and... I've always squatted properly, but, you know, deeply, and I've, my knees are fine. You know, my other joints, maybe not so much, but there's nothing wrong with my knees. And yet, like you said, after 25 years, and, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a real big-framed person by any means. So, I, I mean, again, you know, barring, of course, throw out the disclaimer, you know, there's a whole field of adapted physical education or, you know, adapted movement patterns and rehabilitation and that kind of stuff. We're, we're not really going there. We're just talking about natural, healthy person's, you know, range of motion. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you get into the whole, you know, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And, I mean, I've seen this in our own clients. I mean, these guys that have been benching halfway their whole life or squatting halfway their whole life. And, you know, it then limits range of motion. Yeah. Just the act of squatting deep is going to make you better at squatting deep. I mean, it is an act of stretch in and of itself. Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's no doubt. that If you look at the literature, the range of motion or the manner, you know, like concentric versus eccentric, uh, you know, you only get good at what you're doing. I mean, that's the whole specificity thing, and, you know, Charles talks about that a lot too, of course. Yeah. Well, but here, let me introduce an idea here and see if you guys agree with this. If if you think of strength training or resistance training as as a pursuit of learning, it's an educative process because you're just by nature of the fact that you're pursuing uh, a new skill. You know, if you're if you set out to um, to learn a language or to, to learn any type of skill, it, it's it's a given that. You have to get out of your comfort zone and do things that you're not good at. But what I find is that when people go to health clubs and gyms, they try as much as possible to stay with what they're good at. And this is why you see guys uh, predominantly um, uh, leaning toward weights and heavier weights than they really ought to be handling. Um, and I, I'm thinking of, of, of the, you know, the guys on the leg press with 
you know, 1845s on each side and their partner on top of it doing, you know, one-inch reps and so forth and so on. <laughs> and then the girls do just kind of the opposite, right? So the girls are a little bit more predisposed toward cardiovascular activity and, and flexibility type stuff. Uh, and and I always found that to be an impediment, you know. And, and uh, uh, so, uh, you know, the guys need more range of motion quite often. And the women need a little bit more strength quite often. So uh, it's just funny how in this particular pursuit, uh, you know, people seem to be happy to just do with what they're good at already, whereas, you know, you recognize in any other type of pursuit, you have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. So, I read something not too long ago saying that um, a study suggested that people always overestimate their attractiveness. Um, I think for males, males always overestimate their abilities, their strength abilities. Huh. Um, Interesting. And I, I, that, that's just my own kind of take on things. But, I mean, certainly, you know, what we're talking about today would suggest that, what you just said, uh, Charles, you know. Um, I think guys, I mean, we always talk about it, you know, most males training in the gym, you know, and, and doing a form of ego training um, where they're, you know, hyper aware of other people looking at them and they want to appear strong, but... There's something to be said for the fact, well, for the idea that I think just a lot of guys just, yeah, just way overestimate their abilities. You know, if you want to think of another topic that would sort of corroborate that, if you look at accidents and drivers, you know, teen men, you know, teen males, they have very high testosterone levels. They become extra aggressive. They show off. They do things like that. And then, you know, their insurance rates are astronomical because they tend to be that way. And again, we're not saying every single guy is this way or young guy or, or whatnot, but still, I mean, I think that kind of backs up what you're saying. You know, overestimate your looks, overestimate your abilities. You know, you put them behind a wheel, they can't resist. They're going to let their aggression cloud their thinking a little bit, just like they might under a bar, you know, a squat bar or a bench bar. And I think it's kind of the same sort of thing going on. Well, it's obviously very, very, very humbling for a lot of these young guys. I mean, how many times I've tried to you know, I've seen just completely, you know, catastrophically bad workouts having taking place and so forth and, you know, trying to in, inject a little bit of, you know, um, um, you know, education to these people. And when I actually have them doing things semi-properly, how much, you know, poundage they need to take off the bar or so forth. And, you know, it's very humbling for them. And I can, you can almost see the, the deflation in their in their face, you know, when they go from, you know, having 275 on the squat bar to having, you know, 135 pounds in the bar and it being twice as hard, you know, because they're doing it right. Um, and I think that's something that, I don't know, sometimes I wonder if that's, you know, it keeps these guys from coming back to the gym um, or if it, you know, with other people, it just inspires them to want to train harder because they really do see the fallacy in what they were doing before. Yeah, I don't think it's a level of maturity. Sorry. No, I was just, I'm just thinking about this. I'm like, crap, we have not made any progress on this question yet. Because what no, it, no, that's what I'm thinking, too. What is it that makes, I don't know if guys, you know, I think women, in my experience, are more open to, to the idea that they need to learn how to do this. What yeah. is it about guys that makes them think that they just know how to do this with no prior experience? You know, isn't that kind of a, it's kind of a funny question? Well, I, I do. I think it's the bravado, right? It's, it, that's kind of what we've been talking about, it, at least tangentially. Is, this, you is know. this analogous to guys not wanting to ask directions when they're on a trip and just figuring it, that, or, or, or not reading the directions on how to put something together? Are we talking the same thing? 
I think, I think I, so, right? You don't want to admit that you need some advice here. You know? Well, you have to think of the things that we're talking about, right, that are intrinsically probably you know, down to the ages, things that are kind of like labeled as being masculine things, right? I mean, Charles, what you're saying, right, the, the ability for a male to be able to navigate, you know, over distance or whatever like that is a very traditionally male thing, right, when you think of people like, you know, na- males navigating the high seas or navigating, you know, pioneering different geography and so forth. I mean, and the same thing goes for, for just physical strength. I mean, there is a really a more, a more base-level masculine kind of ideal right. than just physical, you know, um, strength. I mean, just to be able to, to lift things and build things and hunt, and these are all things that require physical strength, yeah. you know, and they're all very based and steeped in, in masculinity and masculinity as it relates to, you know, androgens, testosterone, all that type of thing, so... It's a good point, because where do guys do that now? They, they you know, they don't do it, you know, uh, jumping on a, on a deer with a Bowie knife in their hands. Instead, they tend to do it in the gym, you know. No, the, the gym is the... Phil, Phil actually does that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Charles, is Barring this Phil. Same reason? Is this why you won't let me do that exploratory surgery on you? I'm pretty convinced I could do it. He's like chasing armadillos with a knife in his hand. Oh, man. <laughs> no, but I mean, I absolutely think that's true. I mean, and I, this is a kind of a big topic that I've kind of discussed with some people over the last two, three years that I think more and more about. I mean, modern society, certainly like Western society and, and first world countries and so forth, that we live, you know, the, the whole I, I idea of masculinity and, and what it means and what, what it's always mean traditionally and historically is, is ever increasingly being downplayed, um, you know, um, being seen as taboo is is something that's not required or wanted or desired or or even appropriate anymore. So men, real men, are finding it ever increasingly difficult to to find pursuits and things that they can do that kind of are outlets for those for those you know ways. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, and I think that's why you see part of the reason why you're seeing an uprising of things like mixed martial arts and. You know, guys in gym lifting heavy weights, and you know, I mean, guys need to be guys, and and really, our society doesn't doesn't allow guys really to be guys. And like I said, if we if we behave that way, I mean, Lion and I were talking about this not too long ago. I mean, some guy comes up up to you on the street and starts like, you know, calling your woman, you know, bad names and stuff, and you deck the dude and lay him out. I mean, you're the guy that gets charged with assault. Yeah. I mean, what kind of society is this, man? We're not allowing men to be men anymore. And, and well, I think that's... Along that set of lines, um, you know, our, our, that's, the gym is really the only physical outlet many people have now. Yeah. You know, years ago, 90% of the culture was wrapped around something physical. And you were a master of something, be it, I don't know, shoeing horses or a blacksmith or something. Now, I mean, to show off your... I guess so-called physical maleness. There is the gym. That's it. And maybe they just all want to believe they're masters of it. I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Let me let me interject something here. One of the ironies of this question, I think, with men assuming that they're just good at lifting weights and you know, kind of Tim Allen <laughs> kind of stuff. The irony here is that if you look at the, a lot of the science, and when I saw this question just this morning, I thought, you know, that's kind of the opposite of what the science says because a lot of people don't realize this, but women's bodies are actually, in uh, at least on some levels, more forgiving um, than men's bodies when it comes to physical recovery. Like, if you look at damage markers in a woman's blood, you know, when she's trained really hard and she's sore, 
they're much lower than that same intensity of workout that you know would have been done in a guy. And that, a lot of it has to do with estrogen's protective effects on on muscle tissue and antioxidant effects from estrogen and all that kind of stuff. But imagine the irony there, because you've got guys doing all this crazy stuff to themselves, whether with poor form or maybe let's face it, this ignorance in the gym could extend to uh, <clears throat> being too macho and trying to do you know fifty sets of something you know, far more volume than you need to, not just the execution of the movement pattern, you know. Um, and ironically, you know, the guys are actually suffering from it more on a, on a tissue level than, than the women would be. It, it, I don't know if that's funny to me. Yeah. I mean, I think another thing worth note, wouldn't you guys agree that, I mean, by and large, the people that we see in this industry that know, that actually do know the most, are the first to step up and get further help and education. Oh, I think I think that's something that you could see across the board with anything. I think the you know the people who are the most educated about anything in this world are the people who are more willing to you know um, listen to somebody else. Because again, I mean, probably one of the one of the reasons why they became so educated is the fact that they were were willing to listen and the w- willing to believe themselves to never have you know know everything. Yeah, which is just interesting. I mean, why then would someone believe they know everything and not get help. I mean, that's kind of the question we're trying to figure out here. But the, but the majority of the guys that we're talking about that do think, you know, most strongly the way this topic of the day is, are usually the guys that you come back five, ten years later if they even last that long training, which most likely they won't. But, you know, and and you'll come back and they'll still be doing the same shit. They'll just have more, they'll, they'll be no stronger, no bigger, just have a lot, a lot more injuries. Yeah. You know, versus the guys that you know, that smaller, uh, you know, the minority of guys who, who will actually be like, you know, come to some realization at some point, hopefully within the first, you know, two, three years of training that, hey, you know what, I really don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I should, you know, try and educate myself and read more and observe more and ask more. And those are the people that actually, you know, make it out of that kind of like that beginner stage of just doing everything haphazardly and stupidly. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure Lonnie and, and you, Rob, have, have a bit more of this, but um, even some of your largest guys, you know, in the bodybuilding culture and whatnot, know, they know the least, and people look at them as an expert. You know, some of the genetic freaks out there and stuff like that, I mean, that have just gotten huge despite what they're doing, not because of what they're doing. Absolutely, and again, Lonnie and I talk about that a lot. I mean, I have seen guys, you know, all the way up to the Mr. Olympia level, um, quite literally, who I would consider to be as as you know knowledgeable trainers to be barely past beginner stage. Um, you know, guys who are walking around, you know, five foot ten, two hundred sixty five pounds at you know four percent body fat, and these guys, their training is downright pathetic. Um, I'm not even talking about the you know the intensity or effort they're putting forth. I'm not, I'm talking about just their their seeming knowledge of what they're doing. I mean, they just it's it's just scatter shot. They Really don't know what they're doing. It's so. And Which, you know, by the way, this is a, this is another topic, but that speaks to the value of hard work. Yes. Yeah. Well, of course, and and but you know, I mean, what um, Phil says is absolutely true. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys. I mean, competitive bodybuilding has gotten to the point where success is ninety percent, if not more. You know, drugs and genetics. And I mean, I know that's again, there are a whole can of worms to open up, but. Yeah, that just goes to what, what uh, Phil's saying there. It's a sad commentary it, you, because progressive resistance training is supposed to, 
you know, people take that to mean, you know, of course you're going to progressively use more weights, but you'd like to think it'd be progressive on multiple levels with you, a little bit of learning going on or progressively better technique and things like that as well, you know. Well, that's one of the things I, you know, I have that, you know, rare insight of going from, you know, my origins are bodybuilding, but, you know, and then switching over to powerlifting. And I so much more prefer um, powerlifting as far as training only because, Again, the the objectives and so forth almost demand that you actually have a set idea of what the heck you're going to be doing in the gym rather than just going and do the proverbial, quote-unquote, pump it up. You know what I mean? You're not just going and saying, well, what am I trained today? Oh, chest and triceps, okay, well, I'll do some benches, some some cable flies, and some, you know, it's, I mean, that's just, I was just talking to a guy in the gym the other day, and I was saying, you know, I mean, when you talk to somebody who's a bodybuilder, you say, well, what do you want? Well, I want to be bigger. Well, I mean, okay, that you want to be bigger, but... Like that's, that's such a moving target. Like you know, it's not like a really tangible thing as opposed to you know, I want to increase my bench press by fifty pounds. I mean, it's very hard to kind of just well, I just want to be bigger. Okay, well, how do you go about that? Well, you know, most guys go about that by just going and quote unquote pumping it up, um, and that has you know wildly varying degrees of success. Again, based on what you're willing to do supplementation wise. And your genetic um, predisposition to being, you know, muscular. And I mean, if you don't, if you're not above above average on on the genetic front, then those types of things are going to do nothing for you. I mean, you know, how many, you know, tens of thousands of guys are just quote unquote pumping it up, and they're getting nowhere. You know, I, just... I think you're really onto something there because if you took some of these guys who they think they can lift just because they're dudes. Um, that'd be a great question to ask them, right? What do you want, you know? Especially I mean, if they, well, these kinds of people probably wouldn't be asking, uh, you know, a trainer for advice anyway, but it'd be really interesting just to ask them, you know, what do you want? You know, you see somebody who are doing, who's doing quarter squats or the, the one-inch leg press reps like Charles was talking about. It'd be really inter- interesting just to see, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You know, what's your goal? I'm just curious. Or, you know, even humor them a little Dude, you're huge. What do you want? Are you going to compete? What do you want to do? And just see what they say, because I bet they would say just what you were saying, Rob. Well, I want to get big. You know. Oh well, that was on a guy last night, and I mean, I've I've observed him training for several months now, and I and I actually asked him that exact question. I said, "What do you want to do?" And he's like, "I want to get big, but I don't want to get, but I don't want to get too huge." Trust me, this this guy is. I, you know, what I said to him, I said, I said, buddy. Pull out all the stops and do everything in your power to get huge. Yeah, I dare you. I dare you to get too huge. I dare you to try and become as massive as you possible. And you come back to me in 10, 15 years and tell me if you're even remotely close to being that. Um, You know, it it just gets silly after a while. uh, To to draw this in, I think, um, to the media, I mean... If you look at, I mean, to give a shout-out to the powerlifting culture in general, strength coaches and athletes, if you look at the media now, books, DVDs, articles of powerlifting versus, say, bodybuilding, I think, you know, the powerlifting culture has done a great service. I mean, these are some of the, the biggest, strongest dudes there are out there. And you look at the articles in general, you look at a bodybuilding article, and it's always, it's usually a workout. Do 10 sets of three here, blah, blah, blah. You know, the majority of powerlifting stuff is the science behind it. There's a ton of literature on, you know, just how to do this stuff as compared to just throwing out a program. I think the the science behind a lot of the bodybuilding, uh, you know, aside from, like, what you're talking about, like, you're right. You don't see as much 
you know, finely monitored kinds of uh, progress among the bodybuilders. I think for a lot of them, at least the ones who are sort of technically minded like that, that's why nutrition becomes exciting to them, you know, because they, but unfortunately, they start obsessing over minutia in the diet and, you know, tweaking a few hundred milligrams of this or that or taking some latest supplement, you know. And then, you know, then we're back to what we've talked about so many times about just, you know, eating lots of whole food. Protein and calories are, are a big deal no matter how you slice it and, and stuff like that, you know. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying. There are, I think, there are a lot of bodybuilders out there. And I don't know if that's the manly thing, you know, like I'm just here to get big and be brutal, you know, um, versus some people who just naturally want to measure things so they can control their progress. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what about the question then? Do you guys think it was on to something before about the whole concept of, uh, you know, strength and physical, you know, ability like that just being such an, you know, kind of very fundamental aspect of masculinity? Yeah, I I think that guys maybe don't realize that there's an educational component to this, uh, as you would intuitively understand with any other type of of field. So I just... I think it's true. That's a good one, yeah. Right? I mean, I just... um, uh, why that is, I don't know, but... Um, well, you know, it could be that, it, say, me or you are both untrained 18-year-old males. We walk in the gym and do whatever the hell we want to for a month. We're going to get bigger, no matter what, just by fact that we're doing something instead of nothing. Right, yeah. Now we're reassured, wow, I'm smart. <laughs> I know what the hell I'm doing. Positive reinforcement, Yeah, yeah. I think I really think you're onto something there, honestly. And it's you know it's it's the fact that it doesn't matter what you're doing now you're doing something. And you know what I think that makes a lot of these young guys vulnerable too because when you're 20 years old, you can take on you can work with almost any guru you know training guru or nutrition guru and you're probably going to make progress just because you're doing something systematic. You know, but the truth of the matter is that you have your testosterone's eight hundred on a thousand scale because because of your youth. You don't have any injuries because of your youth, and you're going to make progress almost regardless. Now, I know that's not always true. There are hard gainers, and there are some different you know people with different frustrations, and that's why a experienced coach is important. But uh, I totally think that's part of it. It's a positive reinforcement, whether it's because you know you're just getting big and brutal in the gym, you know, and you're a male and you think you know how to do it, or you know, you're you're listening to some other guy and, you know, bonding on over some kind of maleness, I don't know, <laughs> training partner, you know, but I don't know. Well, hey, listen, uh, are we going to do a, a, since we're having a straight to the topic of the day, do we want to take a little period here and, and do some uh, announcements and stuff? Uh, Phil, you had mentioned something about some things that you wanted to to mention, is that I right? I mean, I just figured if we, it's been a while since we did something like that, if we each just had some, some latest news or what we're up to and whatnot. I know Charles is up to a bunch of stuff coming up, but, uh, and myself. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing I wanted to get off is just um, my Lift for Hope event. I just finally got the new website up and uh, getting ready to kick it off. Uh, this year, the past two years I've done it, it's a strength event for charity. Uh, the first two years, I started off doing it for children's charity. It was a camp for children with cancer, the first year American Cancer Society. Last year, it was Big Brothers and Big Sisters. They were great events, but the charities just didn't seem to fit. I mean, the kids didn't come, this and that. It was just a totally different culture they weren't into. So 
I'm taking a new swing this year, and I'm I'm having a strength of athlete, a strength event, five strength athletes, four strength athletes. So what I'm going to do is I'm raising money for three athletes that compete on the national or international scale for the United States. And that's where the money's going. Strength athletes in particular were the ones that don't get funding. So I'm, I'm funding an Olympic lifter, an Olympic thrower, and then the Masters uh, International Worlds team in powerlifting. So just, just trying to raise interest in that. I'm going to be having some donation deals going out right now. I mean, you can go in and donate now by going to www.liftforhope.org and uh, just going to see how much interest we can raise and and between the strength community and for the strength community and see see if we can aid our lifters that are going competing for us in our name against other countries. Cool stuff. I'd like I'd like to actually just uh we we've gotten a dozen or so entries into our uh <clears throat> 50th episode uh tribute contest and I'd just like to go through those questions again for people who uh would still like to uh enter into that. Because the contest goes to uh, Friday, April second. Right, uh, and you know what? Let me just let me just mention. I've got the I've got a Iron Radio mouse pad in front of my uh, in front of me here, and I'm tempted to start using it. So, <laughs> send in some entries. Somebody get this out of my office. I'm going to start. I will not use the coffee mugs, so. though. <laughs> All right. Well, now wear the t-shirts, but I might start using this mouse pad. So, somebody win this contest. I'm now, sorry, listen, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, uh, so the questions are for people who want to enter into it again, and these all these the answers can be found in past episodes of Iron Radio. And the four questions are: Where does Bill Pearl train? Uh, number two: How many years did Charles say one should train before opening his pie hole? <laughs> Three: Which top ten hardcore gym has been the competitive training center for both Lonnie and Rob? And four: What does PETA stand for in Phil's world? And again, those uh, answers to those questions can be sent to. Um, our number, 206-203-3798, 206-203-3798. And when you call, uh, it's just helpful if maybe you leave your name and uh, a contact number or so forth. So if, if you do, you, you are the one that's chosen, we can uh, we can get a hold of you easier. But, uh, yeah, all you people can take a stab at it. And, and, and I want to also add that on the site now, there is merchandise to be Iron Mute Radio um, merchandise to be had uh, if you go to ironradio.org and uh, Lonnie's been kind of spearheading that but there's going to be lots more stuff coming um, you know once we all start chipping in our ideas right so absolutely well that's Phil Phil and of course you Rob I'm, I can only wait to get your list of things Phil sent me one idea already it didn't exactly fit our PG-13 theme <laughs> but yeah we could, we could tailor some of these you know we can we can have fun with some of this stuff too so oh, yeah. maybe we'll maybe we'll come out with individual like uh t-shirts or mugs that you know for each one of us yeah, know, well, know. the the Phil line the Lonnie line the Charles yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of the uh, Charles line uh, I'm going to uh, give you a, a a little glimpse of my travel schedule for the next uh, 12 months here and um uh, I'm going to be doing a number of seminars uh, throughout the country and, and uh, a couple other countries as well. And uh, uh, I'm just going to give you the, the, the rundown here real quick. These are these are predominantly Olympic weightlifting seminars, but but not all of them. But uh, on April 24th, I will be in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, on uh, May 22nd, 23rd, I will be in Casa Grande, Arizona. 
Um, between the 27th of uh, May and June 1st, I will be at various locations in Australia. Oh, wow. Uh, June, some of you guys will not even be aware of all this stuff coming up. Uh, in June 5th, I will be in Bozeman, Montana. Uh, June 19th, I will be in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, just going down the list here. Uh, July 17th and 18th, I will be in Seattle, Washington. The following weekend, July 24th and 25th, I will be in uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, August 7th and 8th, I will be in Denver, Colorado. Uh, August 21st and 22nd, I will be in Rhinebeck, New York. Uh, August 28th and 29th, I will be in South Windsor, Connecticut. Uh, September 18th and 19th, I will be in Vancouver, BC. Uh, August, uh, September 25th, I will be in Florence, Italy. Uh, what else do we have? Then we have Lift for Hope coming up. And then uh, October 9th and 10th, I will be in Des Moines, Iowa. October 16th and 17th, I will be in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, October 23rd and 24th, I will be in Springfield, Ohio. Uh, I will be in St. George, Utah on October 30th. And uh, then November 4th and 5th, I will be in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, I think that caps it for this year. I won't get into next year, so... Uh, are all, all these dates available on your website? They are all yep. on the website, and uh, these are not tentative dates, by the way. These are locked in stone dates. So, uh, right, listeners, so go and uh, check out those dates on on Charles's site. And uh, if he's by anywhere where you are, definitely try and make it out to see him because uh, he'll have a, a wealth of knowledge for you. So, Lonnie, what's new on your end? Oh, that's big. Well, let's see. You know, I'd, I'd be remiss in uh, if I didn't probably mention that I, I just got back from London, Ontario. Uh, my old advisor and protein expert, Pete Lemon, asked me up. They did a health symposium up there at the University of Western Ontario. And John was there, uh, John Berardi, and, you know, some of his guys. And, in fact, I think what I'll do is rather than sort of spoil any of that, um, I'll, I'm going to ask uh, Pete Lemon to be on the show, so you guys be on your best behavior. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> but I, I, he said he would come onto the show, and that would be you know a real honor to have a senior level sort of you know founding father, sports nutrition guy like that on the show. But he said he would come on, and uh, and you know he could talk a little bit about this this health seminar he does. He, it's a fundraiser as well, a lot like what Phil was talking about. He tries to raise funds because one of his hobbies is he's uh, when he's not in the lab he. Uh, is a collegiate women's softball coach. So anyway, uh, there'll be some more information because I know they're actually selling some of the audio and the PowerPoints from that seminar. So uh, again, uh, there'll be details on our upcoming show uh, about that. So if you want to, you know, buy a John Berardi talk or, um, you know, hear people talk about the lab, there's some great talks up there about, you know, counting calories and why it doesn't work ultimately and brand new 2010 data you know, cool stuff. Not too sciencey. You know, nice mix of science and and uh, you know, kind of practicality. Uh, as far as what I'm doing in the next couple of months, the only thing that I'd really like to talk about would be uh, the ISSN meeting that's coming up. Um, I believe that's June 24th to 26th. Um, but anyway, Google International Society for Sports Nutrition. Uh, here it is, 7th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 24th to 26th. It's in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I plan, at least right now, to share some more data about um, protein and kidney function. 
uh, you know, of course, protein gets a lot of heat for you know being stressful and damaging to the kidneys. So, uh, I, we specifically been looking at you know heavy weightlifters, powerlifters, bodybuilders, strongmen, and you know seeing if if all the protein these guys eat actually does anything to their kidneys. So I'm going to be sharing some of that. But they have the whole uh, summary of the program online and Clearwater. You know, there's nothing wrong going to Clearwater. That's a nice place to go. Uh, I like that place. Uh, you know, a little beach action and. A fun just, conference. Just, just make sure you keep the speedo off, eh? Are you, yeah. How's your, is your flight going to be better than the one in Vegas, Lonnie, where you showed up, like, for two hours and had to leave? Well, you know, I, I'll prob- I'll literally probably just drive down. I don't know. We'll see. There's <laughs> no doubt. I am not. I am not spending 48 hours in, in uh, airports again. <laughs> no way. No, anyway. it's a great conference. I think everybody should go. I mean, and I think... For me, I, I'm, I don't have a nutrition background. I have a huge interest in it. But going to these conferences, I mean, it's it's for everybody as well, as long as you're just a student of the game. There's a lot you can learn at these. You don't have to be a nutrition major or a doctor or anything like that. And you know what? If you're a if you're a trainer or a professional in some way, they give continuing education credit. So you might as well have fun and go to a group, you know, go to a meeting where there's some, you know, a fun group of it's not just nutritionists. It's, they have continuing ed credits for, like, ACE, uh, American Dietetic Association, National Athletic Trainers Association, the NFCA, you know, uh, NASM. There's a whole lot of different kinds of uh, continuing ed credits you can get by going to this. So it's, it's you know, it's cool. You learn something and, you know, actually get yourself on continuing ed credits if you have to maintain your credential. So, But that's, that's, that's about all I can think of right now. I'm going to try to actually train and relax this summer. People want to see me. They can go to Bodybuilder's Gym and... <laughs> Lift some rusty weights with me or something. I don't know. Rusty weights. Very nice. What's going on in Canada? I'm sorry. What's going on in Canada? Uh, we're just we're just playing our invasion. So. No, you, you guys still celebrating from winning the hockey in, in the Olympics or? Oh yeah, that goes on constantly. Uh, no, it's curling right now. Curling's the big thing. Ah. Uh, but but it's the raw curling. Oh <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. How many curling federations are there in Canada? <laughs> God, I don't know. I'd have to ask my father about that, but it's it's pretty big up here. But I mean, it's, it's still nowhere close to hockey. But so we'll see. But um, I, I'm actually just looking for a meet right now to be to do later on this year, and it's it's slim pickings here in Ontario. Uh, powerlifting is not exactly a raging sport up here. So um, jump on a plane and come stay with us and do a meet. So. Well, no kidding. I was actually going to say if I can't, you know, within the next two, three months, I can't find, because I want to do later this year, if I can't find anything, then I'm just going to, you know, either drive to Quebec or something or even go back down to Ohio or something. So Yeah, there's usually some good stuff in the Midwest, and that's drivable. Yeah, but though. the only problem is I, I did want to qualify for the Nationals, so. Well, that'll limit your choices, won't it? And hopefully I w- would like to make the Canadian World Team at, at some point in the next few years, so. But, um, but Yeah. The thing is, I just want to get my feet wet again because it's been a while. So, what do you? What would you hope to total? Well, of course, I'm just going to go raw from now on. Um, I would like to, you know, just do kind of like a very cursory, maybe 1700 this this year, um, which I think would be, um, you know, that, that's being pretty easy on myself, but I, I think by next year I'd like to, you know, go eighteen fifty, nineteen hundred or something, so. Those just sound like real big numbers to me, dude. That's a huge, huge total, yeah. Well, 
well, we'll see. Like I always say, I'll either do it or I'll break. So, <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's kind of you know, I mean, I, you guys all all know that kind of like way of thinking, right? I mean, you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. So, you know, yeah, well, that's what you need to do, dude. You need to. You need to announce it, get the kind of social contract going, you know, and announce to Iron Radio listeners and all of us, you know, pick a pick a show, uh, uh, an event, pick a meet, announce yeah. it, dedicate yourself to it, and then start the backwards countdown, you know. Yeah, no, I, 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 I got the event for you, Rob. Oh, oh, God. God. Bolton, Bolton, Andy Bolton put out that, uh, he kind of put out a, um, what would you call it? You, you saw his deadlift competition he put out for next year. Have you seen that yet? No. Okay, he put out a, a competition, and he's trying to get people to come break his 1,008-pound deadlift record. That ain't so going to be me. He's going to be in it as well. And the goal is for somebody to break 1,008. So, I mean, you got like 14 months of training. Dude, you're closer to that than I am. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the squat guy, remember? You're the deadlift guy. It'd still be fun. I'm, you know, your dead, your deadlift is still a good, you know, seventy five hundred pounds above mine. So. Oh yeah, but I mean, I, I, I don't. I'm not sure I can add two hundred eighty five pounds on my bench before that. <laughs> on my deadlift, I mean. So. Yeah. Well, we'll see one day, but. That's that's gonna be awesome. I mean, how long did it take for one guy to finally break a grand? I you know, know. In the deadlift, I mean. Well, I thought it was pretty upstanding that he, you know, he's entering himself, and he's like, "Let's all go in and beat my record." <laughs> sure, so, why? Yeah, no, I like the, I like the, uh, the thinking of that. Yeah. Uh, so. But. All right. All right, guys. Is that an episode? I think, was, oh. I think yeah, that's I an episode. Here. Sorry, I'm out here walking around, so I was a little ways away from my uh, control panel here. And so now you're making the pizza pockets. Well, no, I was just enjoying the warm Arizona sun, you know, knowing how bad it is up there. But uh, Actually, it is. It's very sunny, but actually quite cold here, so. It actually snowed here last night. We had white scenes out my window, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because, you know, it, this is the time of year in the Midwest. It's like 65 one day, 40 yeah. the next, you know. Crazy. Right. Sure. All right, guys. Well, um, that's it for this week. Thanks, everybody, for coming. And we will be back on next week. Sweet. Sounds good, guys. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in studying a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists to work with the project.